So, uh, next week will be my 15 year anniversary here at Living Spring. So, no, don't, don't need applause. I, I actually get paid to do this, so don't, it's not a, like a gift. So, um, but uh, in those 15 years, uh, a lot of stuff has happened, Mo- you know, mostly good. I'd say all of it good uh, because of you guys, because of this church family. And now because those who are joining us online as well and those in the patio, I kind of see us as having just a, church is just going to be different from here on out, right? I mean, for the most part. So we have some who are here that we have a certain capacity we can have inside. We have those, the patio, and we have those who are online. In those 15 years, uh, if you just understand my kind of leadership style, we plan out ahead. So by by November, I will know all the series we're preaching and the topics through June. So we put those things in there. So when, um, when we do a series, we knew about that series months before. And the reason we do that is so that we can continually simmer in whatever the topic is going to be. And so parables is no different. Now, COVID has been a little bit different in that we're just kind of well, to be quite honest, I am literally flying by the seat of my pants because we, we don't know what, what's going to go on. And I think anybody who leads anything, you guys lead families, you lead things, you lead organizations, you know what that feels like. And so it's very odd for me when the night before I preach a sermon, God gives me another sermon. I'm just not, I'm not that dude. I just don't, mostly if that ever happens, I'm like, yeah, Lord, no problem. I think that's scheduled for November, okay? So, uh, but, um, but this one I, I felt um, uh, was really important as we have an election coming up. Did you guys know that we have an election? It's on Tuesday? I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I was gonna wear my I voted sticker, but I didn't, I mean, no, I voted, but I just don't have it. Um, and so I, as I was thinking about the election and all the things that are going on, um, I feel like God has impressed upon me a word that I want to give. This, and again, I don't preach to the world. I preach to Living Spring, whether you're here physically or you're here digitally. I don't run the country. I run a church. I run Living Spring with a team of amazing leaders that work very hard and love you all very much. And there are two things I'm very proud of with Living Spring. One is the impact that we have on our community and just the, the, how our specific city views us, our neighbors view us, uh, our, our, our civic leaders view us, the, the, the police department and uh, the mayor and city council. And I'm very proud of that. And I'm proud of it because that has been a sustained thing that you guys have done, whether you're online and you've, you've given to Living Spring and allowed us to bless those around us who are less fortunate. If you watch online and you've never been on campus, we're not in that great a neighborhood. And, uh, and we embrace that. We embrace that. And so that's one of the things. The other thing is, uh, we're split about down the middle uh, politically. And, um, and we leave all of that at the door. When you walk through these, that's why we've had a, since I've gotten here, we have a, we, there's no, we don't sign petitions. I don't care if it's like 
save puppies. We just don't sign them. We just don't open the door. We just, it's about Jesus here, okay? So what I'm going to do uh, through this sermon is really step on a lot of toes on both, both sides. And um, because we have this idea, I, I, I just know everybody, so that Jesus is on your side. Like you didn't, nobody here voted against Jesus, right? You voted for a party or a platform uh, or a policy that you feel like Jesus would have voted for, I, I would imagine. But we're divided politically. So how does that happen? So hopefully when I get through this, you will be able to separate. It's going to be impossible your policy to the people you worship with. Because what we're going to see, Jesus had a prayer request. We used to fill out connection cards here before, if, so if you're online, you'd come in, you'd get a connection card, and you'd fill, every week you'd fill out your connection card. So like with me, I just put Rittenhouse, and we'd, we'd take attendance, and the reason we do that is because if somebody wasn't here for a couple weeks, we love people, and so we wanted to follow up with them and see, and so now we're not allowed to touch anything, so we don't have a connection card, but on that connection card was a th box that said prayer requests, and that would be a request, and we pray for every single one of those every single week, and so if you're online or even here, if you have a prayer request, you email prayer at livingspring.com, and the prayer team will pray for that. And then we make phone calls throughout the week to try to see if we can harvest some prayer requests uh, there as well. Jesus had a prayer request. And if Jesus has a prayer request, don't you think it's important? Sometimes we'll get a prayer request. Don't, don't judge me for this. Okay, I'm going to be super honest today, okay? Like brutally honest. We get a prayer request, like pray for my grandma. She's, she's 98. Like she's, and she has cancer. Like, okay. I mean, I, sure. But guess what? The death rate in America is 100%. We're all going to go sometime, okay? So yeah, I can pray for that. And I do pray for that. But I pray for, I don't, you know, I, sometimes I'll pray for healing, I guess. I just lost half the congregation just in that one sentence. They're important. But if Jesus has a prayer request, isn't it, wouldn't that be an important prayer request? Jesus, God, if God talked to God, asking God to do something. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, again, we're in a series called um, Parables. So I was going to preach on the parable of the ten virgins, and basically it's this. Uh, just be ready for when Jesus comes. There you go. We're done with that parable. Now we'll move on. Um, when Jesus talks about the kingdom, see, he doesn't talk about the kingdom you're in and your politics. He's talking about a completely different kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, he prays, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And he wants to rule that kingdom because he wants us to be free. Not because he's some crazy dictator. He knows, this is what he knows, if he's in charge in your life, it goes better. There's more freedom when he is king. And we also talked the forgiveness, not justice. 
is the pathway to freedom. Now, I love justice because our whole denomination was founded on five freedoms. The freedom of people of different races to be able to worship together. So it used to be you'd, you'd rich people would be up front, poor people would be in the back. It used to be that, um, uh, that black people would be in the back, white people would be in the front. It used to be that men and women had these different statuses and all this kind of stuff. It used to be that you had to worship a certain way. And no more. So I want to talk about Wednesday. Because Tuesday is the election. Our country is fueled by fear. It is. I was on, at my kitchen countertop, and uh, I had all the, all the trees that had died uh, to get the politicians a- advertising out. <laughs> like, so there's just like probably like five trees on my, on my thing. And, and you'd have two candidates, and you can take them. It's kind of a fun game. It's like, you know, match the op- opposition. So you take one, slide it over. I think one of ours is Ling Ling Chang, and the other one's somebody, Josh somebody. And so you'd put them together, and you'd read them. And it's like, literally, we will die if we, if, if we put this person in office. Like, it's going to go, like, the economy's dead. We're dead. Everybody's dead. And you read the other side. Well, what's the good news? Oh, no, if you, if you go for them, oh, oh, we're going to become communists. We're going to, like, this is just like, and you put them all together. Well, that's the machine of fear. And we do it online, online. I mean, most of the economy online is fear-based. Most of our news is fear-based. It's all fear-based. We're fueled by fear. And that's good to know because that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God isn't fear, it's freedom. Right? And so, I just wanted to give it. Now, what are you fueled by? What, what, what are you fearful of? And most of the time, it's a fear of loss. A fear of loss. We might go back to a time when we, didn't, we don't want to be that, like we really like where it is now, or we're going to miss out on getting to something even better. As I look at the two parties, that has just been my, my observation. And again, I want to be really clear. If I say something in this sermon that offends you, just send me an email. We'll have a dialogue. It's no big deal for me. So just keep that in the back of your mind as well. So my wife has a job, and um, that job gets really stressful at different times of the year. And so she was in a really stressful time, and um, she was going before the Lord because, you know, life is out of our control. Um, And the Lord gave her this really sweet thing to keep in the back of your mind that I want you to keep in the back of your mind as we go through this election time. As long as I'm here, I will not fear. Many, many, many times Jesus said, don't fear, don't be afraid, don't be anxious. I got you. I'm in control. It's all right. Was Jesus just speaking to Republicans? Was he just speaking to Democrats? Jesus, <laughs> okay. Jesus was in a time when the temple was trying to figure out ways to, what was it? Oh, kill him. And he was governed by a Caesar that had no problem killing all sorts of people. That was the environment that Jesus was in when he said, hey, don't fear, don't fear. And as long as I'm here on this planet, to the best of my ability, because I follow a king that has, I, I didn't vote for Jesus, 
He's in control. He's on the throne. I will not fear. A pastor, Tony Evans, came up with this. I really liked it. Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. <laughs> like he wants to take over your life. He, he doesn't want to just sit by next to you and hope, sit there and rock back and forth and hope that your president gets in because if he doesn't, what are we going to do? He wants to take over. One last thing before we get into the scriptures. How you respond to politics, right or left, because I've read a lot of your posts. I'm not playing. <laughs> Democrat or Republican, how you respond to politics may be driving people away from Jesus. Because they're like, whoa, man, they're like, they're, they're, off, they're like super scared. Like, how, what, how is that? So you're telling me that God's in control. You're telling me that Jesus is king of your life, and yet you're scared to death of some man getting into office? It doesn't make sense. You're, you're a Republican, and I, I get it, and, you know, I understand. And you're like, oh, my gosh, if, if we... If we Get Biden. We're gonna, it's going to be a communist country. I, this is just a spoiler alert for you. Do you know there are Christians, joyful Christians in communist countries? Did you know that being in a communist country doesn't affect their relationship with Jesus? There are communist Christians who actually believe in communism. Okay? You can, go the, you can go the other way, you know, whatever. If you're a Democrat, you think, oh my gosh, if Trump gets in. Yeah. The important part is that we are unified. So let me set this up for you. I'll tee it up for you, and we'll get to my conclusion, which is actually Jesus' conclusion. Jesus basically, it's at the time of his death. So he's dying now. So in John 13 through chapter 17, if you have a red letter Bible, a red letter Bible, for any of you who don't know, just means that anything Jesus says, they put it in red. Uh, 13 through 17 is basically just all red. Jesus is dumping data to the disciples. I'm leaving, and you're going to be alone. And so I'm going to give you everything I could possibly give you. And he tees it all off with inviting them to Passover supper. And the king washes their feet. And he says this audacious thing. Do you know what I did for you, he says? Me, being teacher and Lord, and rightly so, that's who I am, have washed your feet. Now go wash each other's feet. Period. Christian. I'm just talking to Christians right now. If you're trying to figure the Bible out and Christianity out, you're off the hook. Post whatever you want. I'm talking to Christians. A command of Jesus that we wash each other's feet. He didn't say, hey, how'd you vote? You know, you got your towel and your basin. And you're like, oh, yeah, it was a great, great election. How did you vote? You know, oh, I voted Democrat. You know, like, like right? <laughs> he doesn't like, like there's no unless. Now you're probably saying to yourself, John, how, I can't wrap my mind around this, how, how can a Republican actually be a Christian? Like, can you explain that to me? Uh, if you're a Republican, you know, I don't think Democrats really know, I don't think they believe the Bible. We're going to get into all of that this morning. It's going to be a blast. Put your seatbelt, put your seatbelts on. So Judas says this, right after that, Judas asks this really good question. Then Judas, and then, you know, John, because it's at, 
John wrote this after Judas Iscariot. He wanted to make sure this wasn't the guy that betrayed him, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And this is a really great question. Jesus, why did, when you showed up, why did you just take 12 people, teach those 12 people how to love, model your life with them? Why didn't you, if you're so powerful, if you're God, why don't you do what John Rittenhouse in the future would have done? Is riding on a comet, you know, just like a big thing and it would have been a big splash and look how powerful it is. It's a great question. And Jesus answers it in a prayer three chapters later. Jesus is talking to his disciples. I got so much to tell you. You can't tell, take it all right now. But, and then he just breaks out in the prayer. And this is what I want to look at this morning. And we're going to go over time. I'm sorry. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. So oftentimes when we see glorify, it always seems like selfish. But what it is like shine the light on me. And what I'm about to do so that it can go back to you. We'd go to a famous verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So I'm about to give my life. Shine the light on me so that they see exactly what you're able to do. While they were yet sinners, Republican and Democrat and Independent. We're all sinners. We're all on level footing as it relates to the kingdom of God. I will remain in the world no longer. But they are still in the world. They have to like get through this. In other words, the church at that time was 12 leaders. Now you got to, when you get, when Jesus dies, you end up ending up with about 120. It was a small church, smaller than our church, that starts off and Jesus is gone. And so Jesus is feeling this tension of, man, this has to survive. The church has to survive. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them. Protect them. By the power of your name, the name you gave me, protect them. You know what's fascinating about this word protect? As you and I, as Americans, uh, maybe not you, me, protect means I'm safe. Like, like no harm comes to me. But they were all martyred, most of them. So either Jesus doesn't have enough faith to pray, or God doesn't know how to protect people. Maybe it's not protection like I get everything my way, like my life is comfortable, like I don't have loss. Because half of us on Wednesday are going to feel a sense of loss. Protect them by the power of your name. Well, what does it mean by protect them? So that, why do we protect? What do we look out for? And here's my point. So that they may be one so that they may be one our culture is fueled by fear and this is becoming more and more difficult especially with social media and again i am not going to be the guy with the tinfoil hat on my head okay i'm not a conspiracy theorist guy not into that 
But I'm telling you, there are algorithms that like companies that make a lot of money want to feed you the same thing because they want your eyeballs on the screen as long as they possibly can because that's how they get paid. Look up, uh, what is it, The Social Dilemma is on Netflix. It's, a, it's what most people knew already, but it just puts it in a really good point. But that's not my point. My point is, it's going to be increasingly more difficult to be one. But we're not, we're not Democrat and Republican. We're Jesus followers that are going through our life from sitting from different perspectives, trying to figure out life. We all have different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different socioeconomic standing, different countries of origin. But we have one thing in common. We have a Jesus that prayed before he died a prayer request to his heavenly father, God, please protect the church of Jesus Christ. See, as Americans, when we think protect them, we think individually. Oh yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah, protect me. I'm heading into work. I don't want anyone to run a red light. He's talking about the church. At some point, you won't be protected. You, you will, you're, we're all dying. That's just the way it goes. Sorry to, for the spoiler alert, but we are. Protect them so that they may be one. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy when we are one. Jesus says, look, if we can come together under the umbrella of the gospel, it doesn't matter if Caesar starts killing people, if Nero starts burning Christians, if, if Nero starts burning, uh, starts putting Christians in the lion's den. They weren't protected, but they were joyful. They understood that we are not of this world. We are just in it. This is temporary. Regardless of who my president is, regardless of who your president is, this is attainable if our focus is on Jesus and on each other and on his word. The full measure of my joy you know, one of the things that annoys me uh, is when they, people paint Jesus as like this pensive. Well, first of all, he's not white, so we can just get all those out of the way. But just like where he's kind of like pensive and, and, and brooding. Hebrews says Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy. Christian, that's, that should be it. Democrat, you should be joyful. Democrat Christian, be joyful. Republican Christian, be joyful. Oh, John, it's so hard. I, I get it. Vote. Be informed. But then Jesus goes on because it's like, well, yeah, that church was really small and he should have prayed for them. My prayer is not for them alone. My prayer is not for just the early church. My prayer is not for these 12 stinky dudes I've been walking around with. That's just not, that's not just for them. Jesus has a prayer request and he's praying for you and he's praying for me. And he's praying for Christians all around the world in all sorts of different socio-political expressions. There's Christians everywhere. There's Christians in, in, in dictatorships. There's Christians in, uh, in social, socialism, communism, Marxism. There's Christians everywhere. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. 
So these disciples are going to live this life and they're going to move forward and, and, and then they're gonna, the next generation is going to hear the gospel and the next generation is going to hear the gospel and the next generation is going to hear the gospel and they're not going to be convinced by your words or by your politics. They're going to be convinced to follow Jesus by how closely you're following Jesus and how closely I'm following Jesus. That all of them may be one. You can see a common theme. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. This idea of the church, the gathering, the ecclesia. People gathering from, because the church shouldn't make sense. And we'll get to this at the end. The church shouldn't, it doesn't make sense. How come people, how come rich people and poor people like be together and joyful and happy and like hugging each other? Well, not now, but so hopefully in the future, you know, like doing elbow touches and all this kind of stuff. How, how does that happen? How do black and white and Hispanic and Asian and keep going down the line? How, how is it that they just, that's the church. If it can't happen in the church, it's not possible because we operate in an entirely different kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. So he says, so that, so he's got, he's got a purpose in this prayer request. He has a reason. He has an end game. Why would God, why would Jesus ask his heavenly father for us to be one regardless of our background? Why would he do that? Just so that we have more friends? No, he actually says it. He gives the reason of why he's praying for this. So that the world may believe that you sent me. That there would be this institution called the church. And they would love each other and they'd work out their differences. And some of the differences, I get it, some of the justice issues we're going through now, real things. And fight for them. But don't fight among us. Though that the world may know the fate of the world is in the hands of the health of the church. The fate of the world is in the hands of the health of the church. We've got to be healthy. We've got to be unified. My president does not decide my joy. I've given them the glory that you, have, that you gave me. Here he goes again. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Okay, so let me just give you an example. And you'll, I have a lot of friends. Okay, so I don't like tattoos. I said it. I've never said it out loud, but I wanted to say it so that we could start a dialogue. I mean, don't tell me about it. I have... I just, if they're all personal reasons and just kind of stuff I've thought about about tattoos, right? So, um, so I'll give you a few reasons for myself why I don't have any tattoos. One, I don't like pain. <laughs> and I certainly am not going to pay for pain. Like, why would I pay someone? So what happens? Yeah, you give them $300 and they, they, they like stick you with needles and it really hurts really bad. Like, I, I don't want to do that. Here's my second thing. I've made two permanent decisions in my life. Following Jesus and marrying my wife. And I killed it. I hit it out of the park. I crushed 
those two decisions. I don't think I'm up for a third. I think I'd, I think I'd mess that one up. I think I'd mess up the tattoo. And here's how it would go down. When I was in junior high, I, I used to draw uh, lightning bolts on my, on my binders. I don't know if, if any of you are my age. I, I forget which, so Hobie or Quicksilver or whatever. Someone had a lightning bolt. And so I'd just be like, you know what? I know what? I'm gonna, that's what I'll do. I'll just, just to remember my youth, which I wouldn't want to do anyway. Um, I'm going to get a lightning bolt on my arm. Red. Red lightning bolt. I promise you within a week, the Nazis will make the red lightning bolt their insignia. Hey, we're done with the swastika. That's been around for a long time. We're, we're innovative. And so there, there I would be with a red lightning bolt on my arm and people are like, oh, you're a Nazi? I'm like, those Nazis, they're always, right? Like that, that, that would be it. So, so I, have this, I, I have this thing. I just, don't, I just don't like them. Let me ask you a question. If I don't like them, can I love people with them? Now, you might come to the, like, no, not really. Absolutely, I can. I'd have to kick my two daughters out of the you know, family, right? Like, I don't care about you in tattoos. Like, that's your thing. I, I, don't, I don't even notice them. Like, if you came to me and you're all, you got them all over the place, I, I don't, it doesn't make me love you any less. I, I can have a position on something and still love you. And you say, but John, 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 oh, okay. We are, not, we are not talking about tattoos in this election, okay? That's, you just picked some little thing out of the thing. Immigration. In this church, we have people who differ on that topic. They differ. And guess what? I hate to tell you, they're both Christians. They're both Christians. They have just sat in a different seat as maybe they grew up or what they've been taught or whatever. And they think that Jesus is checking their ballot box. But Jesus did not come to pick sides. He came to take over. And so you might have that. It might be uh, abortion. You know, oh my goodness, he just said abortion from the pulpit. Oh, I'm so uncomfortable. I know, I know Christians that are on both sides. They're a lot closer than, than we, we like to make it. And that's what we find in nuance. Is that most of the time we find ourselves a lot closer than we are. It is possible. And it's possible because of Jesus. It's possible because we come from a standpoint of while we were all yet sinners, Christ died for us. Complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me when we're unified. And you have loved them even as you have loved me. Let me put this all into one one verse here. I in them and you in me, so they may be brought to complete unity. You like that? Jesus was rhyming in English. He didn't even speak English. Way to go, Jesus. That was awesome. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me because Democrats and Republicans should have nothing in common, and yet they do. What is that? It's Jesus. And you've loved them, even as you've loved me. 
Paul goes through all this stuff. Like, the beginning of the church was, like, really, like, bloody. It was hard. Most people were in really horrible situations. A lot of times they lost family members over, over it and everything. And so Paul is, is planting these churches all over. And some of the churches start having like these little issues like some churches have. Not Living Spring, but there, there's some other churches that have problems. And, um, and so Paul writes this thing. He's trying to kind of give this idea of like, how do we look at each other? How do we get along, even in these difficult times? Galatians 3.28, he writes this. This is so, the audacity of this statement in this time. Hey, there's no Jew or Gentile anymore. Well, yes, actually, Paul, there actually is. Like, it's a real thing. It's like a real thing. There are real Jews and real Gentiles. Paul said, no, no, no. No, 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 we're not, 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 yeah, sure. In, in that kingdom, yeah, you can get, you can get down to the very nitty-gritty. You can start doing body types and all that, but he's like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. There's no more Jew or Gentile. The Gentile says, really? Because those Jews called me dog ever since I was little because they're religious and my parents didn't get that. Yeah, 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 I know. I know, but now there's Jesus. So that stuff doesn't, we'll, we'll, we'll have forgiveness and we'll have unity take care of that. There's no more Jew or Gentile. He says something crazy. I mean, we look at this now and we think, well, yeah, I mean, of course not. But back in then, there's neither slave nor free. Like, what? Oh, I see the slaves right, right over there. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the kingdom that Jesus is king of. See, he looks at the, at the slave owner, at the rich guy, and he says, he addressed it in the Old Testament, that you don't even realize you're naked and wretched and poor. You don't even understand that, this rich guy. And he says to the slave, you don't even understand the value and the dignity that you have, how much you're loved and valued by your heavenly Father. There's no more distinction. He goes on. As the worship band returns, nor is there male and female. Back then, if you were female, you, were, you had no value, right? You had no value. And, and, and cult, that was like culturally, like that was embedded in the culture. You were property. As a matter of fact, if a dude owned a debt, had a debt to pay, he could give his, his daughters and his wife over as like collateral, it was like property. Paul says, ah, no, 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 no. that's the kingdom of the world. They, that's how they value people. We, we, we're equal. We're equal in value. Why? For you all, all one in Christ Jesus. So, what do we do? I'm going to give you a little question. I got it from a pastor named Andy Stanley. I really liked it. Are you willing to evaluate your politics 
through the filter of our faith, our collective faith, rather than create a version of faith that supports your politics. I'm going to keep it 100 right now. I don't care who becomes president. Now, do I care as a U.S. citizen? Yeah, I do. I voted. I voted. I voted on all the propositions. and the, I didn't vote for judges. That just takes too long. Uh, but I, I voted, and I, I care. I care about my taxes. I care about my roads. I care about all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, the history of the church didn't grow through comfort. It didn't grow through having the right person. As a matter of fact, when, when we got the right, when Constantine came along and we converted him and we got the Christian leader and we made it, we started doing crusades and stuff. Like, <laughs> what? what? Like, it didn't work. Because it doesn't work. Because you can't combine the two kingdoms. So, on Wednesday... This might be a hard exercise. If your team wins, okay, find somebody from the other team and call them up and say, hey, I know you're really passionate about that. I understand that we're on different sides of the aisle as it comes to politics, but I also understand that our unity goes far beyond policy. We're both followers of Jesus, and we're both on a journey. Or maybe you're on the other side, and your team loses, and you go, look, I, I call somebody up. Maybe you wait a couple days, okay, and just let simmer down a little bit. Hey, man, congratulations. I know we've been on different sides of a lot of this stuff, but the Bible calls us to be one. So moving forward, I love you, and I disagree with you. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, this is so hard. It's probably why you just prayed about it. <laughs> like you're just like, I've got to give this to my Heavenly Father. But it is possible. And it's been possible for the church, the gathering, the ecclesia, whether it's online or physical, whether we land on different sides of different subjects, we all are under the banner of Jesus. We might find at some times that our, our politics just seem like, how can that person believe that and say they're a follower of Jesus? But it will only be through our continued gathering, our continued mercy, our continued grace, the grace we receive, that we would be one as you are one. Thank you for the ability to pull that off through your power and through your example. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know how the election's gonna turn out, but I know that peace is possible. I was reminded of a, while I sat down, I was reminded of a verse in 1 John. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I have no greater joy than to see the Living Spring family walking in unity, even despite our differences. And there are really important issues, I get that. But things change. The Roman Empire fell. The church should not have survived the Roman Empire, okay? But it's gone. 
And maybe you're thinking, oh my goodness, I could not survive a Republican. (laughs) It's all going to burn. It's all gone. Like who here belongs to the Whig Party? Remember that? The Whig Party? Who here belongs to the Federalist Party? (laughs) Sit down. What are you doing? The Federalist Party, right? In in a hundred years, we might be going, yeah, remember the Democrats? Remember the Republicans? Remember that? And we'll come up with something else and we'll be frightened of it. So let's stand for the blessing. Now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that rule the kingdom of God, may you go in their grace, in their peace, in their joy, and in their strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next week.